The Steelers are in for the 11th time in Mike Tomlin's 17 seasons as head coach. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs. The question is, how long will they be in the playoffs? They haven't won a playoff game since January 2017, you probably know. So all that's certainly top of mind, but the three-game win streak at the end of the season means they at least have a shot at making a run at the seventh Lombardi Trophy in team history. I'm Matt Geico alongside Derek Bell. Yes, we are talking Steelers football into the second weekend of January. It's definitely a privilege and a blessing, and we're happy to be with you once again here on the Steelers Now pregame scout. Derek, the Steelers are the biggest underdogs of Super Wild Card Weekend, as the Bills are minus 10 at home, despite uh, looking at a rather terrifying forecast, maybe over a, a foot of snow due to lake effect uh, up there in western New York. Uh, who knows what happens? Um, who knows how this all plays out as far as the conditions are concerned? Um, but at the same time, this does feel like it would be a major upset, wouldn't it, if the Steelers do go up there and, and pull it off? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you got two of the, you know, really hottest teams, uh, honestly, coming into the playoffs, you know, facing off this weekend. I know, you know, the point spread and, you know, kind of the narrative surrounding this game wouldn't really indicate as much. But, you know, the Steelers coming in off a three game win streak. Uh, Buffalo, I think, has won five in a row now. So, um, you know, these are both teams, you know, five, six weeks ago that were probably more so looking at the draft order rather than the actual playoff standings. Buffalo ended up winning the division um, on that win against Miami uh, in primetime. So it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, you know, Buffalo was a team coming into the season that, you know, I pretty much had pegged as, um, you know, Super Bowl or bust. I mean, that's just how talented the roster was. You got a superstar quarterback. Um, you know, they made some changes. Uh, defensive coordinator, you know, Sean McDermott calling the plays this year. They, they kind of pushed some chips in this year. Uh, to make a Super Bowl run. So Steelers are definitely the underdog, but, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a fun matchup, especially with all the weather uh, stuff we've got uh, rolling in New York. Yeah, the weather and also off the field in terms of uh, who isn't going to be dressed for this game. T.J. Watt, the biggest name, obviously injured against Baltimore last week in the uh, the playoff clinching victory against the Ravens. He's gone for it looks like at least a couple of weeks, maybe a possible AFC championship return if the Steelers do get it that far they do get back Minka Fitzpatrick though and we'll talk about his impact later on on the show and of course we'll see Mason Rudolph behind center for the fourth consecutive game as Mike Tomlin sticks with the hot hand to use his words and uh, I think there's nary a complaint throughout Steelers Nation about that but let's look back at last week Derek first here on first down on the the pregame scout because it could be a preview in terms of game plan for what the Steelers are going to try to do. It was anything but pretty out there in blustery Baltimore. Uh, cold rain might be my least favorite weather condition, and uh, it certainly affected the play. It was a, a real grinded out type of affair, but the Steelers seemed relatively at home. They uh, continued their success on the ground, despite a couple of fumbles for Jalen Warren. And uh, overall, the, the Steelers obviously weren't as explosive in those conditions in Baltimore, but they got the big play, the huge touchdown, uh, from Rudolph to Deontay Johnson, and that was enough to pull off the win. Uh, and as you wrote this week on Steelers Now, the ground game has been arguably the team's biggest asset during this three-game win streak. During that time, they're third in expected points added per play on the ground and second in run game success rate. So um, is this lining up maybe, at least this part of the game, for uh, something that Pittsburgh has done quite well late in the season? Yeah, you mentioned the weather, you know, last weekend. That was kind of an aspect of the game that I really hadn't thought about much. Uh, 
heading into last night when I was writing my kind of article on, you know, how the Steelers were going to be able to win this game. And um, I didn't really put that together, but, you know, the weather in Baltimore was so bad that, you know, those rainy conditions or whatever, it kind of does give them a little bit of a practice trial run uh, heading into this weekend. Who knows what Buffalo is going to be like? I mean, reports are all over the place. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I just think the blueprint uh, was really there in terms of what the Steelers need to do to be effective on offense. You look at some of the numbers uh, from that Ravens game, 47% uh, rushing success rate, you know, on early downs, it was 48%. I mean, the Steelers were able to pound the rock, stay ahead of schedule. Uh, I thought Najee Harris had one of his best games of his career against the Ravens. Uh, You know, he had well over 50% of his runs successful. Um, They played extremely well, man. And I I was really um, impressed by the way that they did it. A lot of downhill runs, you know, a lot of success on, you know, split zone, some of their gap scheme runs, you know, they scored a touchdown on trap, uh, Mixing it up, and I felt like, you know, the offensive line really took it to the Ravens' front, which, you know, they were playing some backups, but a lot of their defensive linemen were their starters, you know, and they were still able to kind of take it to them. Um, You know, that Ravens' defense, a very good unit under Mike McDonald. So I think the blueprint, you know, is going to be the same, you know, and however – crazy these wins are you know I don't anticipate the Steelers wanting to kind of chuck the ball all around the yard this is going to be a game where they have to rely on the run game uh and I think you know Najee Harris coming off back-to-back 100-yard games I mean he he's in a groove right now I think you got to establish that and kind of ride with the hot hand uh in that regard too also the Bills on the defensive side as you wrote and as you researched they use what's called a light box up front defensively about 60 percent of the time that's one of the highest rates Uh, for a light box in the NFL this year. So um, is the game plan for the Steelers, I guess, to try to punish that early on and then force the Bills to make an adjustment from there? Yeah, so, you know, the Bills just primarily um, over the years, whether it's been with Leslie Frazier, with Sean McDermott, uh, they like to play those two two high safeties. They want to keep a lid, that shell coverage, some some of the commentators are calling it now, uh, keep a lid on the defense, make sure they're not allowing explosive plays. And really what that means is, you know, you see a lot of those uh, like four, two, four, two, five fronts, uh, their nickel, uh, which has gotten a lot of praise over the course of the season um, to Teron Johnson. He's an excellent player, uh, kind of Mike Hilton-esque and how he plays the run. He can blitz, he can cover uh, excellent player. And he kind of allows them to be really light um, in the box just because of some of the things that he can do. Uh, in terms of taking on blockers, playing a run. But, yeah, I mean, look, they they play a light, blo- light box on 61% of their runs. Um, that's the second highest in the NFL. I mean, it's that's their game plan. They're, they're, they don't change really for nobody. They love to play nickel. Uh, they're not a team that plays really much base at all. Uh, and it kind of matches up what the Steelers want to do as well. You know, the Steelers, I'm interested to see – um, you know, they've been running a lot of 12 or 13 personnel. How do the Bills match that? Are they going to match that with base? Are they going to stay in nickel? Primarily over the course of the season, they've matched 12 personnel with nickel. So when the Steelers bring on Darnell Washington, they're still going to have a light box. Um, and just some of the numbers, too, with like how they've ran the ball in those situations with six or less guys in the box. Najee Harris averaging 5.4 yards per carry. Jalen Warren averaging 5.7 yards per carry, according to Sports Info Solutions. Uh, when they've gotten these type of looks, you think it's some of the big games that the Steelers have had on the ground. They've been against teams that have played uh, kind of these sorts of fronts. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, a nice chess match, I feel like, to open the game to kind of see, you know, who's going to blink a little bit up front. Are you surprised that Warren and Harris rate so highly when you talk about chunk plays, big plays down the field? Because neither guy really strikes me as the the home run hitter, I suppose. They're 
They're not the type to really make you miss, but they've been able to still pick up these uh, large chunks of yardage despite being more like basic downhill runners. They're, they're power guys. They're not so much nifty runners. Yeah, I think um, that's been honestly one of the bigger surprises uh, for me this season. Uh, maybe not as much of, for Warren uh, because we did see some big play potential from him, uh, mm-hmm. but for Najee, I mean that this is just that just hasn't been a really large part of his game really uh, going back to college. Uh, but you just look at some of the the numbers like Pro Football Focus. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, 14 breakaway runs of 15 or more yards, um, you know, different places categorize explosive runs, 12 to 15 yards is normally like kind of where they do the cutoff. Um, but there's only three running backs that have more explosive runs this year than Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Derek Henry, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, that's, that's pretty dang good, man. Like those are some really good backs. Um, and then you look at Jalen Warren, he's got a dozen. So, um, I think really it's a testament to, um, you know, some of the stuff that they figured out in the run game from a schematic standpoint, getting, uh, playing to those guys' strengths. I think everybody can see it, can feel, uh, when Najee kind of gets in a groove, it kind of always looks very similar. Like he's playing really downhill. He's playing really sure of himself. Um, and, you know, just getting north. And I think you saw that really against the Ravens, too. Like one thing that I've noticed, too, a lot of people have um, had concerns like really over the past couple of years, like sometimes Najee missing a hole or two. But I think when you simplify things for him, his vision gets a lot better. Like when you when you basically uh, allow him to get north quicker, uh, I think his vision got better. I thought against the Ravens, man, there was times where he was playing with Patrick Queen with his eyes, getting him to jump at the wrong gap. So um so, yeah, I am a little bit surprised by that. I don't know how replicable that's going to be season over season, uh, but it's been a huge boost for them because they it's, you know, they haven't created a ton of explosive plays through the air. I don't know how many times we've seen over the past three weeks Steelers backs literally carrying uh, linebackers and defensive backs yeah. down the field. I mean, it's it's been a, a real study in, in drive and power, and it's been fun to watch uh, And, and in addition to – the good blocking that they've gotten. And we've seen all the tight ends on the field. We've talked about that on this show. Um, it, it's uh, It's been a, a real massive humanity and a positive direction for the Steelers in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, yeah. With what and, we're seeing as far as weather goes, I, I can't believe it's going to be that different on, on Sunday. Yeah. And just, uh, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause I, I think I highlighted the offensive lines play, you know, especially the guards. I, I feel like the guards are playing extremely well right now. James Day knows Isaac Samalo, but really had to give a shout out to Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington, both those guys has been blocking their tails off over the past month, especially during this win streak, man. Like um, Fryermuth, you know, he has received, in my opinion, deserved criticism over the course of the last, you know, his Steelers career for his blocking. Sometimes that's been effort related, but more than more often than not, I feel like it's just, you know, more of his body type and his play style, but I, he has been a legitimately, solid blocker for the past month and i really want to highlight that because as much flack as he's been given uh you go back and watch that touchdown run that um you know i broke down for my youtube channel for Najee in the on the second drive of the game against the ravens he drove the safety like eight yards in the end zone i mean that's awesome you talk about how to create explosive runs you get that type of blocking from your tight ends from your receivers everybody playing together like that um it's critical so um darnell washington pat farmouth excellent job definitely uh commendable all right let's move to the other side of the football because like i said no tj watt this week and uh, possibly next week if the steelers do advance mcl sprain for tj certainly puts a damper on expectations on the defensive side of the ball at least on the face value of it but really when you dig deep should it limit the expectations because 
as uh, you wrote this week, again, on Steelers Now, go to snplus.com, or pardon me, snplus at steelersnow.com for uh, Derek's articles there as he breaks things down. The Steelers' pass rush unit was their strongest unit this season, first of all, and it's not a one-man show. Um, actually, the numbers this year with Watt on the field and without, um, it's a limited sample, as you admit, but they're very comfortable numbers. And in, in fact, in some cases, slightly better with Watt off the field compared to last year uh, when you talk about rates and and pressure rates and um, yardage uh, allowed, that sort of thing. Um, it was definitely a lot worse in 2022 um, when Watt did not play or, or was on the sideline compared to this year. So they did a better job of not just being all about TJ Watt when it comes to the pass rush. So uh, how have they done it? That's my basic but also complicated question to you. How have they done it with this unit that we've talked about has flushed out in terms of depth? Yeah, I always think that it's nice to see teams address weaknesses um, year over year. You know, one of the things that really bugs me is when organizations have the same weaknesses in consecutive years. And I feel like you could see that, you know, why he missed those however many games he missed last year. Um, you know, they were throwing guys out there that just respectfully were not NFL caliber players. And that, that really that has been a theme over, you know, 2021, 2022, um, you know, and and you felt that and his impact, you know, the Steelers record is what it is without Watt. Look, he's one of the best players in the NFL, defensive player of the year candidate, uh, you know, the best player on this team. Uh, but having said that, you know, they made moves to make sure to put them in a situation where if, you know, he does suffer an injury, like you have some type of backup plan, uh, you know, bringing in Marcus Golden for the cheap, you know, Marcus Golden can still ball, man. Like I, I, I think that people really need to go back and watch like the Seahawks game. Uh, I was rewatching this week uh, for that article I wrote. Um, he beat Charles Cross, and I think Charles Cross is a pretty good player. I know he's been a little bit banged up, hasn't played as well lately, um, but he beat Charles Cross on three straight plays. Like he was dominating when he was in the game in a limited sample size. And then Nick Herbig, you know, he gets a strip sack against uh, against Cross in that Seahawks game. And, you know, we've seen flashes of him, you know, when he's been out there and allowed to rush the passer he's been really productive like on a per snap basis we just haven't seen a lot of it you know because Highsmith, why those guys play a ton of snaps um really on their own discretion so i think you know they've addressed that as a need and i think that's really the big difference man like has been you know the guys that they have out there um have just been a lot more capable have provided a lot more juice uh and you see that in the numbers and i think that's why it gives me a little bit more um more than just like blind optimism, it gives me a legitimate like proof of concept that they could potentially, you know, hold steady and not just completely collapse uh, without Watt in the lineup. Let's talk about Alex Highsmith in particular, because you note that his pressure rates are up. He's arguably on a per play basis better than last year, even though his sack numbers are down. So yeah, the box score uh, digits aren't quite where we thought they might be for him, but at the same time, could you argue he's had a better season here in 2023? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I'm, you know, every every single number except the sacks are are up by a substantial amount. Like you just look at like pressure rate, win rate, all that stuff. Uh, Alex has had a fantastic season, and I know um, a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, whatever, are only going to look at like the box score numbers because the sack numbers have been split in half. But man, you can go back and watch uh, even the Ravens game. You know, that first sack that TJ got, that was because Alex. You know, Alex beats the left tackle around the edge. 
you know, forces uh, Hundley to step up and, you know, TJ's working inside and basically the quarterback just steps right up into his arms. I mean, those type of sacks, you know, they don't give assist in the box score, but they probably should. Uh, that would be something maybe we could look at. Um, but he's created constant havoc. I mean, there were times where he was flushing Hundley out of the pocket as soon as he was hitting his back foot. What that does is like people say like, oh, well, does it really matter if you don't get the quarterback or, you know, you don't hit the quarterback, or whatever? Well, you know, if the quarterback hits his back foot and you force him to roll out, that cuts the field in half. You know, that that takes him away from his progression. Now he's put into chaos mode and having to scramble, make plays on his legs or with his legs. That stuff matters, man, when especially as a quarterback, um, you know, when you're constantly worried about what's on, you know, your blind side, that that really matters. And, you know, Deion Dawkins, the Bills left tackle, he's been around a long time. He's a powerful dude, a bigger tackle. Um, I'm really interested to see that matchup because Dawkins has played exceptional this year. I want to say that he's only allowed like a couple of sacks on the season. Um, so that matchup's going to be huge. And this is one of the reasons why you pay a second pass rusher this amount of money, right? You know, you, you had that kind of fail safe. If one of the guys goes down, you expected to pick up the slack and this would be an excellent week, you know, for some of those numbers to kind of even out and some positive regression. Um, so we'll we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But I'm optimistic, man. I think Hospice had a really, really good season. And I think he's still, you know, trending upward, which is, you know, encouraging. And what's your feeling on the tactics when it comes to rushing a quarterback like Josh Allen, who can get out of the pocket, make some plays, also can hurt you uh, running the ball, literally. Um, he's not a scrambler. He's a runner at times as well. So um, does that put an added emphasis on discipline in the pass rush and, and making sure that uh, you're not just teeing off without regard to trying to control the guy, contain him? Yes, very, very, very important in terms of rush lane integrity. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week with Hundley, uh, just some mm -hmm. of the times. And we, and we saw Hundley get out of the pocket a couple of times. You know, uh, there was one play in particular where I think one of the edge rushers spun inside and he escaped through the back door. And um, Look, Allen, he will go into creator chaos mode uh, really at his own volition, like whenever he feels like it. So even if you do have good rush lane integrity, like he's that type of athlete to where he'll get where he wants to go regardless. The big thing is just don't make it predictable for him. And what I mean by that is, you know, Alex in particular, Nick uh, Herbig in particular, speed rushers. Um, so if you're constantly going outside shoulder or running yourself out to play, you know, tackles really, they're trying to basically protect at that like nine yard mark from the ball, from where the ball snapped. That's the depth of the pocket. And, um, you know, like that's really important because like if you start going 10, 11 yards and letting those tackles push you upfield, he's just going to take one hitch up and escape. And when he gets out of the pocket, he's almost more dangerous than he is when he's in the pocket. Like he, Alan, Allen's one of those rare guys that can beat you from within. He could beat you with his legs. He could beat you from without the pocket. So you talk about like minimizing big plays. You want to really keep him in there and make it uncomfortable for him. Um, and really a big part of that that I feel like not a lot of people talk about beyond like the rush lane aspect of it is just guys working in unison. So if like one guy is consistently winning, but the other three aren't, that's going to give him easy escape avenues. You know, if you have multiple guys win on the play, it clouds, you know, the quarterback's vision, makes it harder uh, for him to kind of go into playmaker mode. So um, big test for the Steelers defense. Uh, we don't know really how much um, the Bills or the Steelers are going to throw the ball in this matchup because I think it's going to be weather dependent. Uh, but the Bills, you know, passing attack is lethal, especially when Allen's on and he's, you know, kind of in rhythm. Well, let's tie that into third down. Um, I watched the game between the Bills and the Dolphins last week, and Allen's throwing balls up for grabs early on. I'm thinking, okay, maybe 
This is a, a good situation for the Steelers if the Bills can find a way to win. But then, of course, he makes his requisite plays and makes plays that no one else can make. He reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger a lot in that kind of mm -hmm. way. And now we're seeing it on the other side uh, as the opposition. So it doesn't feel so good when he's not on your team. But um, at the same time, he is susceptible to turnovers, uh, to head-scratching interceptions. The Steelers overall finished a, a plus seven in interceptions. They picked off 16. Their quarterbacks threw just nine. Uh, on the year so turnovers when you talk about big plays that's the first thing that comes to mind for me so from the turnover side of things uh, Minka Fitzpatrick returns doesn't have a pick yet this year he's been off and off the field off and on the field pardon me due to injuries so is this lining up for uh, the Steelers to have a chance to um, have one or two of those moments that can take a game that looks like it's going one way and flip it the other direction yeah, I think, you know, Bills fans would be the first ones to tell you, you know, the best thing about Josh Allen is that there are the majority of the time he's the best player on the field. And he's like almost like a one man army who's capable of, you know, really just carrying the entire offensive unit on his shoulders. I mean, that just he could run, he could throw. I mean, you could utilize him in the design run game. He could do everything. All right. Um, I also think like one of the underrated things about Allen is, you know, he's number one in terms of the amount of pressures that have turned into sacks this year. He's excellent. Mm. Like we talk about all the bad plays in terms of, you know, the turnovers and some of the craziness that he plays with. He is really good about minimizing like negative plays in the pocket in terms of taking sacks, like sacks, kill drafts. We see that all the time with the Steelers, like how they like to play, how they like to get teams behind the chains. Um, Allen's one of the best or the best in the league in terms of minimizing that exposure. Now, having said that, um, the great thing about Josh Allen is like his arm is unbelievable. There is not a throw that he cannot make. That's the most overused cliche. Y'all probably heard me say this before. It's <laughs> the most overused cliche in terms of evaluating quarterbacks, but Allen is one of the very, very few that it actually fits the description. Um, having said that, he can be overconfident. Like the Bills have also had some like weird miscommunications, like with him and Gabe Davis. Um, they just they just are very volatile on offense. They will give you chances to turn the ball over. Talk about Big Fitzpatrick, you know, coming back into the lineup. Somehow, I, I can't even really believe that I typed this out today, but Minka doesn't have a forced fumble or interception on the season. Like, again, we talk about some things like positive regression. Mm -hmm. This would be a heck of a time to get that first turnover uh, with him coming back into the lineup. I'm excited to see what Minka's kind of um, impact on the game is. Uh, the Bills are also the number one team on third downs, but I'm interested to see if the Bills do go spread and the weather kind of allows for a little bit of passing in this game, uh, how the Steelers play their safeties now that they got like everybody healthy, you know, Patrick Peterson, Eric Rowe, Devontae KZ, um, how, how that kind of distribution of labor works. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but I, I do think like this is the time where Minka, you know, without Watt, you're looking for somebody to make like one or two of those game changing game breaking type of plays uh this is the this is the time uh for mink and how about on the offensive side when you talk big plays george pickens is the guy you go to but of course we saw it last week with deontay johnson as well so um if the weather does permit i guess put a big asterisk by this question but if the weather does permit um the steelers offense has developed the kind of balance now where it does open up things down the field more than it has and also you have a quarterback who has proven capable of putting those deep balls on the spot even early in the game against the Ravens I thought he threw a great deep ball down the sideline to to Johnson but he just couldn't quite locate it maybe it was a rain thing I don't know what happened there but it, it seems like Rudolph has been able to uh, just continue to 
pick up where he left off as far as Oklahoma State goes uh, back when he was throwing those bombs. That's why he became such a great prospect or one of the great uh, one of the reasons why he became a good prospect for the NFL draft was that. So um, is that lining up to maybe have some opportunities down the field? Yeah, I mean, that, here's the deal. Like, regardless of what the weather is, um, you know, the Steelers are going to need to find some sort of way to create some explosive plays. Now, whether that's, you know, one to two deep balls from Rudolph down the field to George Pickens, maybe it's a back shoulder. Uh, maybe it's, you know, George or Deontay taking a slant to the house. I mean, they're they're not going – Buffalo's defense, um, just the way that they play, um, especially like with the type of coverages that they play, they play a little bit of everything, but they really prefer to, like I said, keep those two safeties back. Um, most of their coverages involve, you know, keeping like a shell or coverage like a uh, basically umbrella over the defense um, or, or over the offense, excuse me. So it's hard to create those explosive plays down the field, but you're going to have to like Rudolph's going to have to make one or two plays. We saw that really last week against the against the Ravens. The weather was what it was, but, you know, Rudolph made that nails throw to Deontay Johnson, uh, who takes it, you know, 70 yards for the house. They're going to need one or two of those plays to escape. That just is what it is. I don't I think that they will be able to run the ball on Buffalo. Uh, throwing the ball on Buffalo is doable. Uh, you'll have to pick your spots and kind of manipulate and um, kind of dink and dunk down the field. Um, it does help that Buffalo is a little banged up in the secondary. We'll have to see who plays uh, for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the explosive plays, you know, we already talked about the explosive run element of it. You know, it would be nice to get a couple of those explosive runs from Harris and Warren as well. But um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just kind of the chess match and also, like, how the weather affects how both these two teams play. Because I think, uh, you know, the wind element of it isn't going to bother Allen as much as it will Mason. Uh, just because mm -hmm. of Allen's, you know, unbelievable. He has the, that elite, elite arm strength. Um, but I still think you got to give Mason at least a couple chances, you know, to kind of throw the ball down the field and, you know, get the ball to your best player. Okay, let's move on to fourth down. And before we talk predictions for this week, I do want to talk big picture on the season because all year long, Derek, I just never quite felt like the Steelers were a playoff caliber team just because they seemed limited at the most important position on the field, that being quarterback and uh, we can talk about the whys for for Kenny Pickett in the house when we work in, into the offseason I'm sure the Steelers brass have already started their breakdown of the season at least a little bit here as they uh, they look ahead to how to rebuild this or continue to build this team and uh, the post Ben retooling plan um, it's gone in fits and starts here but when you see what competent QB play has done for this squad late in the year you start to feel like they're not that far away. Obviously, there's a lot of permutations and machinations that happen in the offseason here regarding what becomes of Mason Rudolph, uh, what the Steelers do uh, regarding Kenny Pickett's status. Is he the starter? Is he is he a backup going into next training camp? A lot of stuff's going to happen, and we're not even into uh, the first playoff game here. But um, I, I do want to take this opportunity before we do uh, wrap it up to just discuss this. Where do you think they're at um, after you've seen – this team uh, look at actually quite dangerous uh, in the home stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, small sample size aside, you know, the Steelers just over the past three weeks, uh, they've been really good on offense. And there just hasn't been very, very many times over the past however many seasons that we've been able to say that. Uh, their fifth in success rate, uh, fourth in EPA per play. You can say what you want about the defenses that they played during that stretch. Um, but they've been le legitimately good. And I, I'll just say this. I think I've said this on Twitter, but this has been a really gentle but 
to the point reminder that the Steelers have some players on offense. Like this is not a offense. Look around the around the league. There are some offensive units where it's just like the cutboard is completely dry. Like you need to start over at multiple multiple spots. You need multiple offensive linemen. You need multiple playmakers. You probably need a young quarterback to throw in there. You you probably need to look at a different play caller. This is not the case with the Steelers. Okay, they have some good pieces. I think they have some good pieces up front. I think both of their guards are really good players. I think Broderick Jones is going to be a good player with time if they get him in the right uh, situation. I think they have multiple really good weapons. I think George Pickens is fantastic. I think Deontay Johnson is really solid at what he does. The backs have been really the staple of this offense all season long. I think Harrison Warren have played pretty well all season. Um, it just really comes down to the quarterback play and who the offensive coordinator is going to be. And I think this is going to be a fascinating offense or a fast, fascinating off season. My main concern is I just want them to make sure that the Steelers are going to make the playoffs here. Let's just say, for example, they go in here, they lose to Buffalo. They, it, it is how the Vegas expects it to play out. They lose by double digits, whatever. I still think that you can kind of parlay a little bit of this goodwill. You make this, you know, unpro- improbable playoff run, go to the playoffs. You lose to a better team. It is what it is. But you can still say, okay, down the stretch, we found a little bit of identity. We see how this could be if we address, if we get good, competent quarterback play. Let's push the chips in, be aggressive. And that's what I want to see them do. Um, now, will they do that? We will see. I have no clue what the organization is thinking about in terms of like what the offensive coordinator or quarterback situation is going to be next week. I do think that, that those conversations change. If Mason Rudolph comes in here and plays exceptional today, uh, you know, this weekend against the Bills, I'm not really ready to push my chips in to say like, okay, he needs to be the starter or anything like that next year. Um, but if he goes in and plays extremely well against Buffalo and gets them their first playoff win in, you know, six, seven years or whatever, I think, you know, he makes a good case for that. I mean, even as much as, as crazy as that sounds with the small sample size, um, but I just think I want to see them be aggressive. I just think that the defense being what it is in terms of age and, you know, Watt, Fitzpatrick, guys in their prime, Alex Highsmith in his prime, uh, you know, Cam Hayward, we'll see what his decision uh, is next year if he comes back. But they've got a lot of good players, man. I just think I, I just think they're a quarterback and a functional offense away. Um, and this offseason is going to be, you know, incredibly interesting um, from that standpoint for me. But hopefully they're aggressive. That's all I'll say. I'm definitely more bullish now just seeing what they can do when a quarterback is making just NFL average plays. And uh, you see some of that come out late in the year. You see the potential come out. And we already knew the defense was was playoff caliber. I thought it was. And uh, I think the offense can certainly be, too, um, with some tweaks, with some changes and maybe. Uh, the uh, the maintenance of one of those guys. We'll see if Mason Rudolph is interested in coming back because it might be an interesting option for them going into uh, 2024, believe it or not. Never thought I'd be saying that, but and, here we and are. Another thing, <laughs> another thing, too, like we talk about, you know, just the future and stuff of, you know, the Steelers offense and whatever. I mean, this will be a good experience uh, because you're getting these guys kind of some playoff exposure, but this is going to be excellent. You know, this past month has been excellent for Mason Rudolph. I, I think you can kind of see it when you listen to his interviews. He's playing with house money, man. Like he's third string quarterback. They didn't sign him till late in the offseason. You know, we everyone was completely blindsided by this, and no one expected him to be the guy that would lead the Steelers to the playoffs. 
he's made himself a lot of money. Regardless of what happens this weekend, he's going to get a nice little backup backup quarterback contract somewhere, if not in Pittsburgh. Um, so you got to be happy for him and his success. Uh, but this is the kind of like statement win, uh, as the Steelers are legitimate underdogs uh, in, in this matchup. This is the kind of statement win that could make them seriously uh, kind of pivot or at least ponder pivoting to him as, you know, the, the potential, um, you know, bridge quarterback or short-term option or maybe long-term option. We'll see. Um, but, you know, like I said, he's playing with house money, man. That's why we like sports. Guys get a chance to prove themselves uh, on the field yeah. of battle there, and uh, th- there's no politics holding him back now. He's just out there playing and, and doing as well as any Steelers quarterback has in the last, I would say, three years, even counting Ben's last season. Yep. All right, uh, is it going to happen? Do the Steelers, A, beat the spread? They're, uh, uh, what, 10-point uh, underdogs against the Bills, and do they win the game? Do they go up there and, and steal one from Buffalo? I'm not willing to predict that they're going to win the game. I do think that if the Steelers control, if the Steelers are able to run the ball, I think it'll be close. Just because I, I just look at the way that the Bills are structured on defense, I think the Steelers' run game matches up pretty well with that. Um, there's been a lot of talk about whether the weather helps the Bills, helps the Steelers. One thing to point out, I do think it helps the Steelers in how they want to play uh, the Steelers want to make things as ugly as possible. They want to muck it up. This this needs to be a ugly, a chaotic game with turnovers and um, just a grounded, uh, grounded out kind of affair. But Buffalo is used to playing in this weather, like that. The, this kind of stuff, not maybe not like this winter storm type of weather, but this type of stuff does happen in Buffalo from time to time. So there's a lot of guys <laughs> up there that are probably more used to this uh, than we're giving them credit. Um, but I do think it'll be close. I, I think the Steelers have a chance at covering the spread. Um, my, my biggest concern here is if, um, you know, just some of the times that they played Josh Allen, particularly, I think back, I went back and watched the game last year, different teams, but a lot of the same kind of, uh, main characters. Um, you know, if the weather's good enough for them to throw the ball, I think that this bill's offense, it's, it's lightning in a bottle. So if it gets out, like they can easily go up very quickly. They can put points on the board in bunches. The Steelers cannot afford to get down early in this game they had to come out they had to like keep this close early to at least give them a fighter's chance it's just one of those teams man it's like they just won't die and if you can just keep this close and muck it up make it as ugly as possible give yourself a chance in the second half um that's kind of the formula along with all the other stuff we talked about in the podcast in terms of pulling off the upset so i'm really excited hopefully you guys um are enjoy the game and hopefully the result is what you want it to be um, you know, like I said, house money, man, there's, there's nobody should be nervous or anything like that. Cause you know, they, they are the underdog. Nobody's picking them to win. So I'm excited about it. If you look at the season on the whole, if you factor in preseason expectations, yes, I get why the bills would be favored by double digits here. If you factor in the last month, uh, I, I think, uh, it should play out a lot closer. It just depends on how much you think home field is worth and how much you think the weather yeah. might limit possessions. And, um, the, the fewer possessions there are, the fewer opportunities there are uh to uh to make a big play you'd think would favor the underdog i'm not sure it does necessarily in this case with the steelers as we talked about um i think they keep it to single digits but i don't think they win the game i'll put it yeah. uh, i'll put it that way in this case and uh we'll move on from there but uh they should have you riveted from uh 1 to 4 p.m on sunday maybe even on to 4 30 or 5 i guess uh i guess we'll see that would be a lot of fun. When's the last Steelers overtime playoff game? I don't know. It's been a long time since one of those. <laughs> I can't even we'll say, remember one. Yeah. Uh, I was I'm looking back at their recent playoff history. Uh, oh, they, Tebow. Gee. Is it Tebow? Oh, 
Yeah, that's right. That might be the last one. Yeah, I've uh, blocked that one out apparently for good reason. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried to put that one like way back in my head as well. I'm still scarred as a as a teenager from that one. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But uh, anyway, that was more than a decade ago, so uh, we can call that ancient history in this case. All right, Derek had a good time. Uh, We kind of did our goodbyes last week because we didn't know if we were going to be back on the show. But again, it has been a great uh, experience for me. I've had a um, educational moment here every week with you on the Steelers now pregame scout. So thank you again for uh, sacrificing your time to spend a half an hour with me every week. Yeah, absolutely, man. Excellent. It's been awesome chopping it up with you. Uh, Definitely appreciate all the listeners, you know, listen to me and Matt ramble on about the, uh, about the Steelers and try to give you guys kind of a unique, uh, a unique perspective uh, to the game every weekend. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. Hopefully you guys enjoy the weekend and hopefully we'll back for, you know, maybe another surprise uh, episode next mm-hmm. week. We'll have to just see. And thanks again to Alan and Nick and Ed and everyone there at uh, SteelersNow.com as well. For the full breadth of coverage of Steelers Bills, go to SteelersNow.com and follow them on social media at PGH Steelers Now. And uh, here's our social media handle, Steelers underscore DB for Derek and just plain Matt Geica. For me, uh, we'll talk to you, who knows, next season, next week. We'll find out. Uh, Until then, enjoy the football.